don't, you don't have to take a bunch of notes, but I'm not going to pass them out now because if there's anything I've learned from when a teacher hands me notes, it's that all I do is this, and I just look at them and don't engage, right? Because I want to read through them before they get to point two. I want to have the whole packet read, right? That's the kind of student I am. I don't know about you, but um, I have them here for you. So don't feel like you have to furiously be taking notes. If you want to, that's great. Um, just get, get a confirmation later of what we've, what we've talked about. The Lord be with you. I'm going to reorient this way, if that's okay. Sorry to, sorry to you. But everyone, everyone's congregating in this corner. So um, as we prepare um, to engage the content today of uh, meaning of little r revelation part two, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Gracious Father, we give you thanks for the gift of a new day, for another opportunity to gather, to consider how you have revealed yourself to us. And so we ask once again that you reveal yourself to us. Send your spirit to be among us, to open our eyes, to open our ears, to open our hearts, so that we may receive of all that you have for us today. And may your, that same spirit also bind us together, so that we may be united in looking Towards you, our Heavenly Father. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, so meaning of revelation. Uh, I think most folks were here last week. Who was not here last week? Okay, yeah, you were here. Okay, so we'll just, we'll just very quickly, we, last week we talked about how the concept of revelation uh, is that God reveals God's self to us. And without that first step towards humanity, God would be fairly unknown to us. We might be able to say, look around at all this magnificent creation. There must be some being out there. This had to come from somewhere, right? We might be able to do that, but we wouldn't be able to give God any particular name. We wouldn't be able to understand what God does, who God is, those types of things, if God did not that first reveal God's self to us. So we looked at uh, Exodus chapter 3. We talked about how God reveals um, God's self through the burning bush to Moses. And there's this sense that it's dangerous, right? I'm revealing, I'm showing you something of myself, but it's dangerous. And then in Acts chapter 9, we, we mold over how Jesus spoke to Saul Paul on the road, right? Same name, just different languages. Uh, no, no changing of names here. Uh, and how... Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and he responds, who are you, Lord? Um, whatever we make of that question, I think, it's, um, I think it's a really great way to enter into the, the con conversation of Revelation. Because the ultimate question we want answered is, who is God? So as we ask God to reveal God's self, the, the question of this morning is, who are you, Lord? And that is on the question on all of our hearts as we seek to know God better. Um, I'll also lift up um, uh, the Niebuhr quote again, that the event of revelation is like that luminous sentence. I just love this phrase. The luminous sentence that we come across in some difficult book from which we go forward and backward to understand the whole book. It's like you really, really want to get this book and you don't understand it until 132 pages in. You get to that one sentence, and it's like, oh, I finally get it. That's revelation. 
That is what we mean by revelation. Okay. What we didn't get to, uh, to start, start talking about last week were Amigliori's six theses. So there are six of these. Um, now we've, our, our class has expanded here, so the board moves again. There we are. Okay. So his six theses and his six points about revelation. One is that revelation refers to God's own self-disclosure. And we've talked about this already, right? Who is God? I don't know. I don't know unless God tells us, unless God discloses what there is to know about God. Um, and then the term revelation uh, refers particular, to particular events and to particular people. And we affirm that God has spoken first through the, the, the Israelites, right? The Jewish nation, God first spoke most directly to them, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to the prophets, to all of those in Israel's past. And then through the Spirit, God spoke to the church and continues speaking today, right? There's a particularity to it. But we also talked about the paradox of how revelation, uh, even, even as we talk about knowing God, we also have to realize that God doesn't fully come out on stage, do a dance and a twirl, so we can get to know every side of God, right? There's still this sense of, here I am. Maybe I'm just going to put a foot out there. You know I'm here. You know there's something else going on, but you won't see all of me, right? This, these are the questions for heaven that we talked about last week. Why did, you know, why did you create these things? Why did you do these things the way you did them? Those questions we can't have answered in this life, but we know that um, there is this, this strange uh, hiding of God. We know in part, but not in whole. So that's the hiding of God. And then uh, the revelation of God isn't just a nice fun fact, right? It's not just like pieces of trivia that are going to get you to win on Jeopardy, you know? It's not, it's not like that. Revelation, yes, there are points of, there are facts, there are things about revelation we understand, who God is, what God has done, but that's not just information outside of ourselves. It's not knowing, you know, what the, pres the order of the presidents or the year that such and such a thing happened. Revelation, the revelation of God calls us to be involved, right? The revelation of God calls for our response. And how do we respond to this revelation of God really makes all the difference. This is really a transformed life, right? We are supposed to say, right, yes, I believe this revelation of God to be true and I am going to respond in faith and live my life out of this, right? You can't live your life out of an encyclopedia saying, I know these facts to be true. That's different. This is the revelation of God is fundamental to how the whole of creation was created, works, functions, how life, how people, how relationships, everything works because of who God is, what God has done. And that means I have to respond and my life is thereby transformed, right? It doesn't become a revelation until we take it into ourselves, until we are transformed. 
And what we might find, we should find, is that this is a disturbing or even a shocking revelation. We'll come back to that in a moment. Um, And then I, I hinted at this already, but this revelation then becomes our interpretive getting this right. A new interpretive focus for how we understand God, the world, and ourselves. Okay, I'm throwing a lot at you here. I'm kind of just trying to give you the, the, the structure and then we'll put some meat on the bones. Do we have questions about these? We've kind of touched on these some last week. Question, Fred? Yes. Okay, that's okay. I'm getting... Your lecture last week reminded me of a book that was very popular about 45, 50 years ago, J.B. Phillips, Your God is Too Small, hmm. in which he posited the thesis that we, not only do we think our concept of God is too small, but that we anthropomorphize God. We see oh, yeah. God as ourselves and try to make God like ourselves because Absolutely. we understand ourselves, but we can't really understand God. Right. And that's, yeah, that's part of this. That's part of the difficulty of revelation is that it's not, it's not as though we, something stepping on stage that we fully know, right? If you were in a theater and you saw a hint of someone behind the curtain, you could make out the shape. You could say, oh, there's a person there. There's a person there behind the curtain. Am I coming through okay? Oh, oh, sorry. Um, you, you would know what to expect, but with God, we don't know the, the shape of God, right? And I'm not talking about Jesus, because through the incarnation, we know that God became man in Jesus. But when, the, when throughout the Hebrew Bible, it talks about the right arm of God, or uh, you know, God sees and the eye of the Lord is upon, those things are all yeah, anthropomorph, anthropomorphic images that we can't uh, and shouldn't really take to say, God, the Father, is man, right? Because as soon as we start to do that, it's, it's pretty quick to say, well, whatever I think, right, God's like me enough that I can, by analogy, understand God. And when you start to do that, you can do that to a certain degree, but when you start to say, God is so much like me that whatever I think, God must also think because we're so much alike, that doesn't work. God is wholly other, right, until the incarnation through Jesus. Okay. So, oh, Roger. I think it was Niebuhr that said that God is above the relativity of history, mm. but we only know God through the relativity of history. Right. Therefore, all our knowledge of God is contaminated, yeah. ambiguous, yeah. complex. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's this... There's this there's this sense that we can't fully, because we are contained within this cultural historical milieu and God comes to us and speaks to us in this way, um, 
God can't fully say, here I am, because God has to first speak our language, which is limiting in itself. Our history, our culture, all those things are limiting. And we didn't talk about it a whole lot, but one thing I, I, I'll go there right now. We'll, do a, we'll go here to talk about, I'm probably going to spell this word wrong. You'll forgive it, I have no spell check with this marker. So, accommodation um, is the, when we talk about revelation broadly, and Migliori talks about this a little bit, um, but there is this big sense that God has to step into our world in order to be known. If God is wholly other and not human, how do we know God? That's when we start using anthropomorphic images. That's when we start talking about, you know, uh, the Lord standing, the Lord seeing, the Lord... Can you hear me now? There we go. Okay, maybe I'll just hold on to this. So uh, in accommodation, we must understand that God is, it, it would be like trying to communicate um, your deepest desires, your deepest wishes for the world, your dreams, your hopes to an ant, right? And I'm not saying that we're ants because God took on flesh, right? But I'm trying to say that is the kind of, there's that sort of a distance. There is an inability for that ant to understand our dreams, our hopes, our wishes, our deepest desires. God is, has to accommodate, right? It's like when I speak to uh, my children, I have to, you know, they ask big questions. I can't give them an hour-long answer or they're, they're going to get lost after 30 seconds and go on to the next thing. I have to give them a quick, short, easy, and digestible answer, Right? And so I have to accommodate myself and my response to them. God does the same thing. When God steps into our history, speaks our language, um, that's how God reveals God's self to us, through um, accommodation. Testing. It still isn't working. Okay. So now we're going to talk about, um, just to give some further language to this, because this is the language that folks use um, are the concepts of general revelation and special revelation. So general revelation is what we talked about already, that idea that we can look around, we can see, wow, there's all these people here, these complex creatures. We can look at all the systems required for the human body to function and think, whoa, something's going on. Where do we come from? It had to be some source. There had to be something. Look around at the beauty of creation. Look at the vastness of the universe. It's infinite. We don't know of an end to the universe. That in itself, that speaks volumes. There's an infinity in the universe. Uh, what do we do with that? Well, we say, wow, wow. Who is behind all this? That's kind of the general revelation. We look at, at the world and say, um, something's going on. But then there's this special revelation. And the special revelation is the scriptures, right? Most specifically, it's the scriptures. How God has revealed God's self in this special way uh, to us. 
So the question I want you to ponder for a moment at your tables uh, is what would we know about God with just general revelation? What would we know or what do we know about God just through general revelation? Not through the scriptures, not through what our parents taught us from the scriptures, not about what the church teaches us from or through the scriptures, but what would we know about God with just that general revelation? I want you to just ponder that for a few moments. At your tables, go. Do we have all the answers? Yes? Roger knows. So again, the question is, if, what would we know about God if it were just for general revelation? You were all so chatty a moment ago. <laughs> It might go somewhere. Let's let's find out, Greg. Anyway, oh, the, the path we followed was be, before there was a Jewish history of God. You know, there were American Indians, there were Chinese way back, and and Buddhists, and they all had this image of something spiritual and something greater than themselves. If we would learn from them, which we have, I think, a little bit. That's all we would know. It would, well, we'll end that. Great, great. Anybody else want to add? She sounds it up we just about well, we and I think we led into that. We led into that by saying every culture seems to have had a need to figure out why why we're here. They all felt there was something that they had that they needed to believe in, or worship, or. Um, Yes, that's enough. Okay, great. Thank you, Leanne. Yes, there, we have a need to worship something. We have to, it, in order for it to all to make sense, because we don't get it. We don't understand the, the complexities of the body, right, Dr. Moretta, right? We don't understand everything. We can't. We still don't understand the brain. And even when we do, there's still going to be mysteries of the universe. So we have to say there's something greater out there. And even that in itself Worship just means giving worth, saying that something else is, is worthy because I don't get it. This is beyond me. There's mystery here I don't get. Sure. All those questions. Right. Yeah. Okay. Who created all this? Right? Any other answers to the question of who? General revelation. If only we had this general revelation, where would we be? Um, we talked about that there is definitely a sense of order to things, that you wake up and you do this and this is the result, and it tends to be somewhat systematic, so there would be a wondering of like, there's order and that something beyond us set that in place. We also talked about beauty and awe, that if we didn't have this ever, would, there, would we still have this sense of like, wow, big? Um, we started talking about, too, that um, would, and it, first we talked about how it's hard to know what we would know if we didn't know that. How do you separate your whole life and your whole sense of knowing, removing um, special revelation? So, um, so would we have a sense that we're not only different from the one that created it, but in some way the same? We know from Scripture that we image God but would we know that? Would we have a sense of that even if we didn't know that from Scripture, that somehow 
our ability to love came from something greater than this. I don't know. Wow. Do you want to teach this class? Yeah, Do you want to? <laughs> I can sit down after that question. That's, whoo, I could think about that one all day. I, I don't have an answer. I got to think about it. Um, I, I thank you all for sharing on, on that. Yeah, this, it's hard to do because when we see everything through this prism and then we take the prism away, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's behind it, but that doesn't quite make sense without this. It's hard to understand what's beyond it, what's um, without Scripture because it gives, Scripture really gives us a structure. It gives us a language. It gives us an understanding, and without that, it, we're kind of just uh, 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 beautiful, mysterious, I, 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 beautiful, I don't get it, right? But there is a sense that people, coming back to Greg's point, um, through the ages, all these different cultures have looked around and said, wow, something's going on. Where did this rain come from? Oh, this big storm that just destroyed all our houses came through. Uh, what just happened? I, I need to, there has to be an order to it. Um, otherwise, it's all just chaos, right? We can't accept chaos. We have to, we have to, um, just to get on with our day, we have to think that there's something else greater than us pulling the strings or, or, or leading us on or whatever the case is. Whatever deities we may be, have believed in or believe in um, as, a hum, as humanity, there's this sense of, if that's just random, I can't do it, right? This, this, this big storm just destroyed our whole village. What's wrong with us? What did we do wrong what God out there did this? Some creative, you know, some being out there did this. So now we have to develop a whole system of, of attributing certain things to certain deities beyond us. We have to say, okay, we have to make those gods happy, right? So we start to develop, we could very quickly develop a system as cultures did through the ages. And then from those comes our special, their special revelation, now, we believe this special revelation is special, special, specialer, right? Um, it's not just like, um, you know, the Egyptian book of the dead, right? It is, it is not just a, a creation of man. It is something imbued with um, the fingerprints of, of God. There's, fingerprints are all over this. So, um, the... The next question I just want you to ponder for a second. We don't have to t talk about it at um, tables. Uh, but is it possible to have special revelation without general revelation? Is that possible? Right? I'm so in the first question I said, okay, forget about the special revelation. Just think about the general revelation for a moment. Is it possible to go the other way around? Is it possible to just have special and not the general? I've been thinking about this question all week. I haven't come up with an answer to say yes. I don't think it's possible. I think we start, we all start with that kind of inbred in us, that sense of something else is going on. There's some other being beyond us, something we don't understand. And then we come to special revelation to make sense of it all. Yeah? Okay. Um, and so, um, revelation as God's self-disclosure, right? We talked about this. This is number one up here. Um, narrated in Scripture. So we're bringing two different things together. How God self-discloses, and then as narrated in the special revelation that we call Scripture. 
So while God is present and active in all of nature and history, uh, for, for, for Christian faith and theology, the fullness of revelation comes decisively in a personal life. This is kind of what we're talking about. There's a particularity here. And only revelation through a person can be fully intelligible to us because we are persons. Only personal revelation can adequately disclose the reality of God who is supremely personal. So this is, um, you know, if God chose to reveal God's self to a dolphin, just just walk, go with me here for a moment, um, and then this dolphin is trying to tell us all about what God just revealed, and uh, is it going to make sense to us? We don't speak dolphin, right? It's like speaking another language. We just, we can't get it. And so in order to really get these kinds of big concepts, it has to be understood through other people, right? And that's part of the beauty of the incarnation. God said, oh, they still don't get it. Okay, I'll come to be one of them so they can fully see, taste, touch, hug, hold, and know me person to person, right? Um, and this is, I'm going to just read a little from Migliori here. So um, our knowledge, uh, first he says, our knowledge of um, requires attention to persistent patterns in the actions of, of, of God, right? That manifest, or people that manifest who they really are what their inmost inclinations are, and what their true character is. So if I want to say, I want to know who Judy is. Sorry to pick on you, Judy. Um, if I want to know who Judy is, I have to look at patterns in her life to say who she is, right? And I know this much of her, right? I see her Sundays. I don't see her much of the rest of the week. I don't see all the patterns, but I know a bit about who Judy is through those patterns in her life, how she's with her family, how she cares for them, and their day for her. And I can start to understand a little bit of who she is. The same with, with God, right? We understand a little bit. We see a little bit of how God interacts and, and um, uh, takes action in the world. And from that, we start to understand God's character. And we understand that most um, through, through Jesus Christ, of course, right? And then... Um, a, f a person's identity is freely disclosed, right? It's not like Judy is saying, oh, you can't know me, right? She's not standing in the corner and, you know, turning her back to us. She's out there letting, letting us know who she is. And there's always this sense of we don't exactly know what Judy is about to do next, right? We, we don't have her completely figured out, just like we don't have God completely figured out. There is still, even in... Um, one another, there's still this hiddenness. I don't know. You you could, for all, for all I know, you could jump up and do a jig right now, and, oh, look at that. Judy can do a jig. I didn't know. There's a sense of spontaneity. There's this sense of unpredictability about one another, and so we we have to allow that there's also that for God. If you have a Bible there on your table, I want you to open up to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. 
That was one of my favorite chapters. Isn't this great? So uh, verse 18, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old because I'm about to new, do a new thing. God's about to do a jig, right? No, it's something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm doing something new. So even in the prophets, there's this sense of, oh, uh, we haven't seen this from God yet, but okay, sure. Yeah, God can do new things. Um, and of course, we as Christians understand that in Jesus, God did a really new, unbelievable, spontaneous, not spontaneous, unpredictable thing. We, have, we could have had no idea, right? We, the, the Jews believed that the Messiah was coming, but they never believed the Messiah would be the Son of God or God, God himself. They never, ever had that notion. Um, they thought the Messiah would just be a special person. But then in Jesus, here comes the Messiah, who is the Son of God, who is also God. Whoa, this is a very different thing that God has done. Okay. And then... Um, kind of coming back to number four here, this thesis of personal response, um, in order to know a person, you can't just know them at a distance, right? You have to be involved in a relationship with them. As they make themselves known to you, you have to make yourself known to them. There's this sense of back and forth, mutuality and trust. So the revelation of God in the history of Israel, the ministry, death, the resurrection of Jesus by the power of the Spirit is characterized by promises and calls to faithfulness. Okay, I have a few verses I want us all to look at here. I'm going to assign them to tables. So, um, can your table look at Luke 7, uh, verse 48? How about you look at John 4, 14? Um, yeah, we'll go back to John. John 16, 33. Luke 6, 20. And over here, how about Luke 9, 24? What I want you to do is spend um, a few moments reading that and seeing what does that tell you about um, our call into faithfulness, revelation of God, all those sorts of things. So spend a minute, and then each, each table will have a moment to talk about it. Order out of chaos. Say again. Order out of chaos. Order out of chaos. Yeah. Okay. Miss Table, what verse do we have? Uh, John four fourteen. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Pretty powerful verse. What are we taking away from it? What's our takeaway? I'm not sure of the takeaway other than life doesn't exist without well water, but you'll be thirsty again, and you have yeah. to keep going there, whereas the spiritual water is building up for eternal life, mm. and you, you'll be fulfilled. 
what I'm hoping through these verses is what I'm hoping that we can try to do is imagine our life with, without the special revelation. And if we just had that general revelation and, and then we hear this word from somebody, we don't know who, oh, Jesus, okay, that's who that is. He's speaking and says this thing, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's really new. That doesn't make sense. But it makes all the sense, right? Last table. Who's reading? <clears throat> um, ours was Luke seven forty eight. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And thinking of general versus special, I would think if we only had general, there would be, like, had you had referred to before, there'd be this deep sense of like, oh, what just happened? I need to appease the gods. And even in, or however we conceive gods right. without special, and even in Jewish culture where there would have been a long sense of like um, needing to make sacrifice for wrongdoing, and then God, com or Jesus comes along and says, that forgiveness is just in me. You don't have to do all of that. It's found only, it's found in me. Grace, basically. Great. Yeah, so isn't that interesting that, was Jesus, had Jesus died at this point? But, but he says, your sins are forgiven. What's the point of the cross? If Jesus is pre-death saying, your sins are forgiven, you're good, right? Um, is that, is the death of, and this is a big question that I'm not, I don't have an answer to, I'm just pondering aloud. Um, is there a sense that the death of Jesus is accommodation? Because we expect, in culture, we expect a scapegoat. We expect this system of sacrifice to be in effect. That's what the, the Jewish culture did at the time, right? They had the temple. They had to sacrifice the animals in order to appease the gods. Is there a sense that, not completely, but in part, that the crucifixion of Jesus is accommodation, speaking to us that that is completed. No more do we have to appease the gods through the death of animals. And uh, obviously it's much more than that. But is there a sense of, I'm stepping into how you do things in order to make this happen? Because if, all we, if we think the death of Jesus is all just, just simply about forgiveness, well, look what just happened. He just forgave that person, right? Sue? Well, he says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, oh, sure. which means you don't have to go through all that stuff. I've done with it. We're yeah. done with it. It's you we want, that God wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, um, oh, oh boy, I only have 10 minutes, don't I? You're only going to talk one minute. Okay. Um, we're going to jump over that. So I will pass out my notes at the end of class. Um, I should say that uh, a good majority of these notes were dictated, right? Because I'm having all these hands, hand issues these days. Um, so every now and again, there will be a word that doesn't quite make sense. And if you're like, what is that? Try to think of how it sounds. And if it doesn't make any sense at all, then email me. Um, okay, so Carl, I want to move on to... Um, Carl Bart, something he says about, um, uh, actually, before we even get there, I want one other point, that this self-disclosure of God is unfinished, right? We know in part, but then in whole, right? We hope. 
we will know God, see God face to face. Uh, and this means that God continues to work by the Holy Spirit to illuminate and complete the narrative of Revelation. And to say that Jesus remains the subject of, of history is to say that he's alive and present in the power of the Spirit and that the revelation of God uh, never becomes our fixed possession, right? There's this sense, again, like I said last week, that lone wild bird song that we, that we I didn't sing it, but um, that I quoted. There's a sense that God is other and wild, and I can't quite get it. We never want to imagine that we understand God. We can put God in a box. God is beyond us. Yeah, okay. So with that, Karl Barth explains there are three forms of the Word of God, right? So capital W, Word of God. The very center, we talk about Jesus as the Word of God, right? We talked about John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and that Word was Jesus, right? That is the core. The next rung out here is Scripture, we also say, you know, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, right? Scripture is the word of the Lord. Uh, so here's another word of the Lord. But then also, um, ministers, especially in the Presbyterian Church, are ministers of word and sacrament. It's not that I'm Jesus. It's not that I'm Scripture. It's that I am called to proclaim these things and to point forward. So all of these things proclamation of the church, I can't just jump right over scripture and proclaim Jesus because guess what? I've never met Jesus face to face, right? I can't say I've had a personal experience that sidesteps scripture. It's proclamation is always mediated through scripture. But there's also the sense that scripture is not God, right? The job of scripture is to point toward. So, There's this sense of constantly going towards Jesus, but that nothing but the center is Jesus. So, um, the light, well, the description of the threefold structure of the word of God makes clear that God has chosen to give us an important part in Revelation, right? God doesn't come to each of us individually and say, here's everything you need to know about me. God has come to people throughout the ages, people. God has come to people, and then those people have written it down and told us about it, right? So there's this sense that God has charged others with proclaiming, and that proclamation then becomes codified, canonized, and put down into the words of Scripture, right? Um, and so this light that God shines in uh, Jesus Christ is Transmitted first through the prism of biblical witness. How do we see Jesus? How do we know Jesus? We know Jesus best through the scripture. And the humanity of these, uh, this biblical witness must be recognized without apology or embarrassment. So this is, I'm going to just read from this is Migliori directly. He says, hence, not everything found in the Bible is to be taken as a direct word to us. Some texts of the Bible may stand in utmost tension with the revelation, the character, the purpose of God as identified by the grand narrative of Scripture. 
We cannot deny, for example, that Scripture contains passages that describe God in patriarchal images or uh, as issuing commands to slaughter enemies. Scripture's, uh, scripture witnesses to Revelation. Scripture witnesses to Jesus. But once again, Scripture is not identical to Jesus. Neither is it identical to the Revelation. And the original witness of Scripture to God's revelation is um, mediated through this witness of the church, right? So um, we don't have time to open our Bibles now, but Acts chapter 8, we hear about how uh, the, there's an Ethiopian official who needs guidance in understanding the Scripture. And we are just like that, right? We are trying to figure out this special revelation by ourselves well, the special revelation came to us not directly from God, but through humans, right? We believe God empowered and uh, made people ambassadors of his revelation through the scriptures. But not just that, but that God also gave us one another, community. We talked about this a little bit earlier. We need each other, right? Um, if we were to cut ourselves off from this proclamation of the church, if we were to cut ourselves off from the proclamation of the, uh, and life of the church as the medium through which we receive our biblical message, our understanding of the revelation would not be purer, as biblicists mistakenly imagine, but it would be greatly impoverished. What I mean is, what Migliori, I believe, means to say by that is, um, I mean, we all, have, we all know people probably in our lives that say, oh, just give me the Bible, right? Um, or you find church communities that are Bible churches, just give me the Bible. Well, what they really are trying to say is, this doesn't matter. The history of the church doesn't matter. And, and maybe I'm, I'm speaking with too wide a brush here. But um, that kind of ideology, perhaps, um, more appropriately, would say that the proclamation of the church is ineffectual. What we really want is just Scripture pointing to Jesus. But that's... That's trying to say, at a certain point, God stopped using people to help us understand who God is. But that's not the case, right? There's this history going back thousands of years from which we get Scripture. And we need history to better understand Scripture. We need history to better understand Jesus. Because we know through history how God has acted and how do we understand all of these things through other people, right? I'll finish off with a few points and then I'll pass it over to, to Judy here. So, no, it's fine, it's fine. You're going to do a jig, I hear. That's what Pastor Michael says, you're going to do a jig for us. I think that's, yeah. So, it is only in the context of faith prayer, proclamation, sacramental life, and service of the church, only in those contexts does the transforming power of Jesus attested by Scripture become effective for us. If we are just out there by ourselves in our own little room reading the Scripture, we will get something out of it. The Holy Spirit will certainly visit us, help us to understand, but we'll only understand in part because we need that community. We need people to build us up. We need sacraments, right? We need baptism. You can't baptize yourself. That doesn't happen. 
right? You need a community to receive baptism. You need a community to receive the sacraments as well. Um, and so there's a sense that the proclamation of the church empowers the reading of Scripture, and that Scripture empowers us to understand Jesus is, right? And then, um, neither the witness of Scripture nor that of the church is more than a servant of the living and free God. Think back to Lone Wild Bird. But they point beyond themselves to the living word, capital W, of God, to a, uh, a, a renewing reality at work in our midst, but never something that is under our control. To, so to respond in faith to the revelation of the living God mediated through Scripture and the witness of the church is to become a free and joyful witness of the truth of the good news one has received and to share responsibility for interpreting it and living it out. So I come back to these theses. That revelation is about God's self, own self-disclosure. God reveals who God is to us. And without that self-disclosure, we would have no idea. But there's this sense of it's not just to everyone, and it's not through everything. It's God speaks through particular events and through certain people. And those certain people tell us about those things. So certain events speak to us in big, broad ways, right? Um, while God is, is disclosed to us, there's also a sense of we, God is other. We can't understand, know God completely. God has to accommodate to make God's self known to us, speak our language. Um, and Revelation calls us to a personal response. We are not just learning facts and figures about God. This is not going to win us uh, you know, all the money on Jeopardy. This is about a life altering experience and understanding that completely shatters our understanding of the world because for the first time we see God behind all of it. And what does that mean? What does that now look like? That personal response um, comes probably following a disturbing, shocking revelation. General revelation tells us a certain few things, right? Culture would tell us, earn as much money as you can and you're going to be happy, happy, happy. Right? Some in the church even try to tell us that. But um, Scripture, pointing towards Jesus, the revelation of, of God in Jesus Christ, is disturbing, shocking, countercultural. Saying those things that you understand through general revelation, through culture, not quite right. Blessed are the poor, for they will inherit the kingdom. Wow. Shocking, beautiful, disturbing words. Uh, and then there's this interpretive focus. Um, that all that we see, all that we know, all that we do now is, is understood through this prism of, of life, the proclamation of, of the church, scripture, and through Jesus. And without those, um, we do not know who God is. I have about, that's actually three minutes fast. Can I, ha can I take some questions if we have any? Do we have time for, we have, we have a few moments for questions. Do we have any thoughts? Questions? We've got it all? We understand all the revelation? Roger? We have made one leap that we haven't dealt with, and that's that how do we get to special revelation? Is the Quran special revelation, or is it part of general revelation? 
how do we know that special revelation is the word of God? Right. Ooh. Great. Uh, so n th thank you. That is a plug for next week because um, the next few weeks we will be talking about the authority of Scripture. And I hope Keith Lloyd is the one who's here. Um, he and I have emailed back and forth about it. Um, I, uh, it may be me next week. I don't know. Um, but hopefully uh, Dr. Lloyd will be here next week to talk about that very thing, the authority of Scripture. But in, in brief, um, how do we know? We, we don't know it as a fact. Um, and that's something with, I, I've been trying to struggle with these last few years is what really is faith? Going back to the basics of, of, of the religious life, right? What is faith? Um, it's not the opposite of doubt, right? But it is the opposite of certainty. And I just love that idea that faith is the opposite of certainty. Because if we are certain that this is the special revelation of God, it's a fact. It's no longer um, faith. It's not something we believe in. It's something we cling to as fact. And facts and faith, we try to put, hold them together too closely. But I do believe this is the special revelation of God. I have faith that it is to the exclusion of other books. Now, is God still speaking? Can God speak through other people? Yes. Uh, is it the clearest, most refined idea and revelation of who God is? Anywhere else but here? I don't think so. Um, yeah, that's a great question. We have one more minute. Any other questions? So next week we'll, we'll have a test and we'll all pass. I wish we did tests in this class, right? No. No, no, you don't. I, I do want to know what you, all, what you all get of this class. I wonder what, what you walk away knowing. What you, want, well, what, you walk, what you think on the drive home, you're like, what was that class all about? I did not get that. Or, whoa, that was new. Was it disturbing and shocking? I don't know. Anyways, okay. I will turn things over to Judy. Are you going to do a jig? No, no jig. But don't be surprised if sometime in the future... Spontaneous. Oh, we might do something. If okay. I'm going to learn something. There we go. Okay, here we go. I just came uh, to draw your attention to a special event we're having. It's the Spiritual Aging and Intentional Journey. It's a retreat that is going to be here at our church on Saturday, November 2nd from 9 to 2. It's a project of the discipleship committee so it originated from our church and I think we all felt like um, we're all getting older and um, even young people that are here and um, we want to approach our aging in a in a spiritual way a positive way and an intentional way and um, so I'm here to invite you to consider that um, we quest, uh, we were in the committee, we were talking about whether this is for you. Are you the right age group? And yes, everybody really is. I could give you questions like, do you know what comes, be what comes between 33 and a third and 78? You might want to come. Do you know the answer? <laughs> 
Um, anyway, we have a special speaker from a church in Worcester, and I'm forgetting the church, who's, got, who's done some workshops on this. So we have a keynoter, and then there's an opportunity for two breakout sessions. You'll see four listed in the brochure, but they'll be done twice during the day. So you can choose one in the morning and one in the afternoon. It's $15 really just to cover lunch. And um, we are asking you to um, sign up by October 19th, if you would. Of course, we'll always take last minute people. Um, and these can be found on the kiosk out here. And they were in the bulletin last week. I think you'll see more about it. But Oh, they're an insert, thank you. I didn't know for sure. Okay, does anybody have any questions about that? Do try to come, I think it'll be good. Oh. Thank you, Judy. Can we pray before we, uh, and actually before I even do that, I, I will apologize. There are a few more typos in there than I would like, um, but again, it comes down to dictation software. But if you have questions, please let me, let me know. Let us go to God in prayer. Gracious God, again, we give you thanks for the gift of your proclamation. We give you thanks for the gift of your holy scriptures. And we give you thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus. By the three of these, we come to know who you are. We come to be able to experience you in the life of community, to read and understand how you have acted through history and also how you are acting and how you are living in and through Jesus. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing for us and the ways that you are revealing yourself even still, even now. May we have the eyes to hear, the ears, uh, the, eyes to, the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to fully feel and know who you are, Almighty God. This is our prayer. Amen.